The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. It is that time again. Welcome to Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. I've got a guy that is a former worship leader. Now, I don't have that nearly often enough for my background and love of worship. I've got Clayton Butcher on the line today from South Dakota, and he's an audiobook narrator. He's also the founder of, of something that we're going to be finding out about. It's called Cross Current Digital. So he is in the digital publishing world. Welcome to the program, Clayton. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be here. Now, tell me a little bit about your background. I know you're living in the beautiful area of South Dakota right now. Always a, a Midwesterner? Uh, pretty much, yep. Born in South Dakota, uh, raised here, and spent some time away, about 15 years away, until God called us back to, uh, which we can get into in a little bit. But um, yeah, we absolutely love living where we are in the Black Hills. I know your governor's very active out there and making sure that you guys are enjoying the freedoms of our great country, and as we enjoy in Florida down here as well. Not every state can say that, right? That is true, yes. Uh, there's certainly nowhere we would rather be, but uh, that was even more pronounced during COVID. Uh, yeah, we were the right. only state that did not lock down um, uh, by mandate. And so that's that was, right. um, again, uh, being here in the hills, able to get out, uh, right, basically any road out of town is is into the, the beautiful hills. So uh, we get to enjoy that Um Anytime we want to, basically, which is uh, uh, such a blessing. Now, are you one that loves to go snow skiing? You know, I did a little bit during high school and college, but it's been 20-some years. I doubt that it would go well if I tried <laughs> to do that again. I've decided, my friend, that if I ever got back on a pair of skis in the snow again, it decidedly would not go well. <laughs> in fact, I would probably be in the... Uh, uh, the hospital for uh, some time after that little try. So I've decided that my days on the snow are over and I'll just look at people while they get to break their necks uh, on those slopes. <laughs> yeah, that's the way that's where it is. Now, again, you and I share, I became a worship leader, my goodness, in the late seventies. And I was privileged to uh, be part of this whole movement. And it was indeed just that it was a movement of God that brought worship uh, kind of to the forefront in, in a lot of churches, really uh, changed the way music was done. It used to be called a song leader, and then it became a worship leader. So you've been part of that as well as a worship leader. How did you get involved in music? Uh, well, that's actually a fun story in itself. Uh, my best friend's older brother um, decided that going out for choir would be a good way to meet girls. Um, <laughs> there you go. I get he it. wanted to do that, and I kind of just went along with him to support him in trying out for choir. So uh, that was uh, a, a rather inauspicious uh, way to start my musical career, uh, if you will. But uh, um, uh, God was using that even then. Um, so, um, it's just interesting to see how, uh, how God leads as, as we look back, uh, through time. Yeah. And God does lead in these surprising ways and things that you m never would have realized would have opened the pathway for doing what you've been doing all those years, uh, going out for choir, then finding yourselves a worship leader. What, uh, influences of worship, what uh, were some of the musicians or maybe bands that really spoke to you back then? Um, so I came up, uh, graduated college in 02, and uh, with a music degree from Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Um, and so passion was just getting rolling Oh yeah. Uh, as I was going into college. So it might have been, I think, 97 or so. I started in 98. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was a big influence. Um, and then what, but probably the biggest is Shane and Shane. Um, oh. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, with them or the work. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love them. So yeah. 
Yep, love those guys. Uh, I actually got to change one of their guitar strings in a concert in '98. <laughs> That's uh, great. <laughs> so that was uh, a fun thing. But uh, but my uh, playing acoustic guitar uh, was very heavily influenced by them, and uh, just some things that uh, they were able to teach me as we were kind of both in college, uh, not uh, overlapping, but not in the same place. But um, you know, they used to be able to take time after. Uh, after uh, some of the shows and and um, showed me a couple tricks and things to, mm-hmm. to play their things that I still use today. Isn't it great um, having friends like that at that level where you get uh, that kind of tutoring right from the, the people themselves? And he is a great acoustic guitar player. Yes. Yep. Absolutely phenomenal. And, and the harmonies and everything oh. with uh, with Shane Everett, um, just, uh, just awesome. Now, I can't say that I'm friends with them, uh, unless they are listening and would agree, uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but uh, but they do recognize me every time they see me. Uh, so that's we try to uh, go. Uh, actually, then RB, I'll be there in a couple of weeks. National Religious Broadcasters, they were there last year, and they're like, "Hey, we know you." So that's always fun for me. Okay, so you're but, going to be at the NRB as well. Yes, I'll be well. there too. So you've got to come into the press center. And we'll have to do yeah. another sit down. That'd be great. Oh my goodness, that's awesome! Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be super. Yeah, and when you're there in Nashville, is this your first time in Nashville for the NRB? Um, it'll be the second or third, I believe. Okay, I've uh, been to Nashville a few times. Uh, I don't remember exactly what. We've been going to a lot of conferences the last few years to get the word out about Cross Current. So, um, but I know that we were there last year. My daughter. Um, uh, who was six at the time, uh, now views every hotel in light of the Opryland, which yeah. is a, um, uh, it's, it's always a disappointment <laughs> yeah. whenever we get a, ho- a hotel because there's no rainforest in this hotel. That's right. <laughs> or, or a river running through it. I mean, you know, that's, right? all of that happens right there. It's in- incredible. Plus, the it doesn't hurt at all for us radio guys to Really loved going by the studios of the WSM there and watching some of that going on. That's a lot of fun, too. And the live music out in the rainforest is also a lot of fun. So, yeah, there's a lot of selfish reasons that I really love it when we go to Nashville. It's great. (laughs) That's super. Now, you've done this whole thing with um, this publishing thing in the digital world. Uh, You're much younger than I, so you would have grown up really kind of being affected and influenced, uh, like you said, from O2, so you were already using computers. Did you have any idea when you got your first computer as a young person that you'd be doing, uh, being a content creator? Absolutely not. Um, I think my first one might have been a Commodore 64 uh, after they were completely phased out, uh, <laughs> so it was Radio uh, Shack. Um, yeah. yeah, there there is no way uh, that anyone could have predicted this. I don't think. Um, and when I um, when God led me into the uh, the voiceover world, because uh, I was also um, you know uh, was um, bivocational. That's the word I'm looking for. With, yeah, uh, worship leading for uh, almost the entire time after that first year. Uh, out of the 15 that I served in local churches, um, but uh, it led me right at the right time where the digital uh, the digital revolution had happened. So audiobooks it went to downloads, and uh, you didn't have to have uh, you know it didn't cost a publisher tens of thousands of dollars to make an audiobook anymore. Uh, and so um, it, it was really uh, the Lord's timing in that. Um, when he got me interested in it and uh, how he led in that direction. Now, you, I've done only one audiobook that I, I think one or two, and it was years ago, and mine was a math book. So, you know, it's not like something I put out there in my resume. It's, it's, that would be it was so di- difficult. <laughs> it was so crazy. But it was a, a an elementary math book. And I'm doing the the book on tape is what it was called back then, as opposed to audiobooks. Uh, what is the longest you've ever worked on a particular project for one of these books? 
Uh, I think probably 18 hours, 16 to 18 hours was the the final length. Um, I couldn't tell you which book it is now. It's been uh, actually I haven't been, done much narrating in five or six years mm-hmm. uh, or four or five years. And so, um, yeah, just before COVID, uh, because the, the publishing is, uh, aspect of, of running the business uh, and hiring other people to do the work that takes the time. Yeah, you're kind of at another level of management now past all of that. But it's so cool that we've got these things that uh, we can at least relate. I, you've done a lot more in the audiobook recording than I ever did. So uh, I can't even imagine what uh, what that was like. And doing voiceover work for extensive amount of times is uh, surprisingly difficult. And when I do talk to people, they don't realize the fatigue factor how that even after a couple of hours, it really wears down on your body, doesn't it? It sure does. Um, and uh, authors notice this a lot because, you know, most authors would love to narrate their own audiobook, uh, And then they do it once and then they never, ever want to do it again <laughs> right. because it is such a uh, it is far more difficult and draining and strenuous than people would would uh, understand. Plus. <laughs> You have to drink a whole lot of water to keep your vocal cords hydrated. That's right. Uh, which yeah, that's means right. Uh, there's a lot of other things that go with drinking lots of water. Yeah, that's uh, right. That make life more interesting. And it's not really having anything to do with sitting behind the microphone either, I might add. So that's right. You Very know, true, I, yes. It's it's running away that's uh, right. out of the booth that's uh, right. over and over. <laughs> I get it. Oh, goodness. That's too funny. Well, tell us a little bit about this, the way that you've gone in into this ministry, and uh, you've told us already you were kind of involved in a couple of ventures when this thing kind of started taking front and center of not only your efforts but and your time, but also maybe the direction that God's called you to do. Uh, it, it kind of took its own life, didn't it? It sure did, yeah. Um, I'm going to go back a little bit further, if I can, um, to uh, to when God called me to start the the first audiobook publishing company. Uh, so I was a narrator. Uh, I had gone to some national convention and, and those things. And so I had met some uh, some other Christian narrators. Uh, there's at the time, this is probably eight years ago now, there were n- not many outspoken Christians in the voiceover, in the, the audiobook narration mm-hmm. world. Um, there's more now uh, because it's opened up a lot. Uh, just the opportunities have opened up a lot, um, but um, uh, it was it was interesting. A uh, couple of days before I went to a con- to the national conference, I, I felt God telling me to start a publishing company. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Um, you know, I call it my Moses moment because very clearly God said, "What's in your hand?" Like I have nothing. I have $400 in my savings account. That's not the cheapest part for one book. How how can I do that? Uh, but I guess I do have uh, some Christian narrator friends, a couple of them. And uh, then I, I also had a connection with uh, with one of the large Christian publishers in their rights department and good credit. Mm-hmm. And so that is how uh, God led us to start Two Words Publishing. And uh, so that um, we published about 130, 140 books, uh, working with most of the major Christian publishers uh, over the last eight years. Now, so your and your specialty would be the audio version of that, right? That's correct. Yep. Yep. And so we we publish and produce uh, audiobook versions of uh, upcoming books or, or books that have been out for a while. And uh, one of the main reasons that um, that I wanted to do that was for the ministry aspect because there were a lot at the time there were two other audiobook publishing companies that were that were Christian companies and uh, they had not picked up a hundred books that I wanted to uh, that I thought um, felt that got made wanted in audio mm-hmm. and uh, so that was that was part of the impetus behind it and how we uh, really went about um, connecting with the publishers and uh, working um, toward the goal of bringing um, 
bringing those books that God had been using in the in the the print and the ebooks into audio for the for the audio audience uh, to be able to be impacted by. Uh, and so, um, so that's how that happened. Uh, and then, um, uh, while later there were some other books that I wanted to do that were not overtly Christian, um, and I didn't want to dilute our, our two words brand. So we started Black Hills Audiobooks, And, uh, so basically overflow anything that's not, um, obviously Christian. And, um, there was uh, there was a book that I heard about and thought, you know, this is interesting. I think it's going to be important, um, and, and I'd like to be involved. And the book was called When Harry Became Sally by Ryan T. Anderson. Oh, my um, goodness. I'm not sure if you have heard of that book. Um, there were a whole lot of people that had not heard of it, but— uh, what it was is is the most comprehensive and compassionate critique of the damaging trans agenda uh, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. That, that had been published uh, to that time, and I don't know of others that have surpassed it since. But uh, I had no idea how important it would be, uh, or even how controversial it would be, uh, until. Amazon censored it in uh, early, just about three years ago, in early 2021. Wow. Um, what is that like now, speaking from your perspective of being a business owner, a publishing company owner, and you get that note from Amazon saying, you're cut out, you're shut down. What does that do? Well, there was no note. Um, they tried to do it completely under the under the radar. Uh, they did not notify anyone, the print publisher, the audio publisher, which is us, uh, the, the the sellers that were selling the book on Amazon. Uh, it just disappeared mm. overnight. Isn't that so? And uh, we found out it was two days before the so-called Equality Act was put forward on the House floor, uh, the, the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. And so they basically tried to make the most compassionate and the comprehensive uh, evidence against what they were pushing just totally disappear. Yeah. Um, And uh, what most people may not realize is three fourths, uh, as much as three fourths or even more of all book sales in the U S even for Christian and conservative books are sold through Amazon, whether it's audible, Amazon itself or Kindle, which are all owned uh, owned by Audible, and that's a lot of power and to have when they exert that kind of cancel culture on you. It is. It absolutely is. So, so at that point, we were, we had been out of um, the uh, uh, the worship leader ministry for a while, and so we we're fully self employed, and we had just released or were about to release within a couple of weeks. Uh, multiple books that talked about the possibility of being canceled uh, of Amazon or other big tech canceling people and not only possibility but it's been happening for uh, for a good while well let me interrupt uh, right now and let so me cancel this break. moment myself because I'm up <laughs> against a break and we're going to pick this back up this is too compelling and I want to make sure we have time for it Clayton Butcher is my guest today publisher and I'll be back with Clayton in just a moment this is afternoons with Mike If you're a Christian business person and you want to meet people who want to do business with you, you need to join the Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Why? Because the mission of the Christian Chamber is to build kingdom, business, and community. And it all starts with the Christian principle of building relationships. To learn more about the Christian Chamber and all the different ways you can get engaged with hundreds of other Central Florida Christian business people, visit cfchristianchamber.com or call 407-258-3578. With me on the line from beautiful South Dakota today is Clayton Butcher. He's a former worship leader. Now he is also president of Cross Current Digital. This whole thing of Amazon, the impact of when somebody like yourself has a project and you're selling it in what we think is the free world here of American marketing and business. And then suddenly, overnight, you have a project that is gone. That had to be devastating. It certainly was. Uh, and as I mentioned just before the break, uh, we were 
fully self-employed at that point, and we had and had just a couple other books, well, a number of other books that we're releasing uh, very soon. Uh, one of those was uh, Tyranny of Big Tech by Senator Josh Hawley. Uh, another one was Dictatorship of Woke Capital um, uh, by Stephen Sokup. Yeah, but I mean, all of those titles are very ironic in light of what was happening to you. Exactly. And so we, and, you know, they already had the the files for those books. Uh, and in some cases, they've been released. So we're thinking, okay, how can they, how can they get rid of this one without getting rid of other books that talk about them possibly getting rid of books uh, and and canceling people? So, uh, so we're we are expecting the other shoe to drop at any moment, um, and and uh, with our publishing companies, and uh, two of the three companies. Took, take very clear stands uh, that are biblically aligned to biblical values, uh, and so we're we were just reeling, not uh, waiting, you know, waiting for everything to mm-hmm. to fall, and not knowing what would happen or what we would be, what we could do at that point, uh, and also not knowing how can we stand up against this, you know, how how can we. Uh, push back, uh, or or at least even find out why they did it. Uh, and it took a couple weeks for them to make a statement, which was only after they got, I believe, three senators that wrote Amazon a letter saying, "Hey, why did you get rid of this book?" That that they responded uh, to anyone. Mm. Uh, they didn't even they didn't respond to the publisher. They didn't respond to anybody. Um, and it, until that had happened. Um, and so it was a it was a rather uh, concerning time. Uh, and then there's um, uh, within eight days the another n- now so-called Christian ministry that keeps uh, Christian in their name uh, that we had been working with to to keep um, kids, uh, especially babies, is what we had. Um, we'd had a dozen babies over uh, over three or four years in our home to keep them out of foster care that uh, whose families were in crisis. Um, and uh, they, they changed their statement of faith in order to not lose federal funding. Wow. Um, we found out later uh, over the same issue. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so that was, uh, uh, so, so not only is our full livelihood on the line, but also uh, our, our main ministry we had to pull out of because they were, keeping the name Christian when not holding to biblical values. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so um, basically, uh, the, the two, our two main ministries, uh, avenues for ministry were gone. And um, at some point in there, I don't remember the exact timing, timing, but we got a call from a narrator wondering if we were safe because of the hate that she had seen and the threats against me and my family that had come through. Uh, They didn't come directly to me, but in these groups that I was not a part of, um, uh, social media groups that were all, uh, there was a lot of, um, (laughs) she had a lot of concern uh, because for our safety, because of what she was seeing in those groups. Yeah. And uh, so all of that together within a week or so uh, was was just pretty devastating. Um, when so the we, dust we, began to settle on that, Clayton, when that, uh, that initial shock uh, and the wave that uh, it brought that impact into your life began to subside a bit, has there been any retraction on the part of Amazon or other companies like Amazon? Has there been any lessening of this kind of burden, or is it as bad right now as it ever was? Um, it's pretty much as bad as it was. Um, they, um, they, they, they initially said that it violates a policy, uh, their first statement. And then it took them a week or two to release. So we think it took them a week or two to write the policy that it uh, violated. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's my personal opinion. Um, 
but um, yeah, so so the book is still not there. You can't. It looks like it never existed uh, on Amazon. Now, by putting it on um, Amazon, did they have any sense of ownership over it? No, no, no. They they were just a, a seller of the book. Oh, okay, um, yeah, but good. They, but they made it disappear from every yeah. um, every reseller or uh, what have you, every uh, Amazon storefront. Um, so all the different publisher, uh, the publisher, us, uh, that were selling it on there, and then uh, you know resellers of, of the print. Um, all of that was gone. So later in 21, uh, toward the end of September, there was a small Christian publisher out of the Carolinas that had their entire Amazon account deleted because of their biblical stance on a few homosexual uh, on, on homosexuality in a few of their books. So they deleted the entire account. Wow. Um, that they did at some point reinstate. However, um, what happens? We think that was uh, a, a harbinger of what uh, what could be coming mm-hmm. um, when they continue to cave to the woke mob, uh, and um, and then what happens to Christian publishing if seventy percent, eighty percent of their sales go away overnight if they decide to, uh, if Amazon decides to take that stance uh, on everything. Now, what a guy so, like uh, now, and technically his... they can they they have the legal right being a uh, a private or a publicly owned company to sell or not sell things. However, it's an effective monopoly when they have that much of the market, and that's where the the issue comes in. Yeah, so I I'm wondering about that very thing when you have uh, companies like what happened with Twitter, and then Twitter is purchased by Elon Musk and Elon makes it wide open again, you know, I'm wondering, I, I, I just wondered if there was any kind of spillover impact that what happened with Twitter, now X, would that have on companies like Amazon? But it's not sounding like they're really taking the lead from that. Well, um, Amazon's big enough that they can do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, they don't really need to listen to anyone uh and change their ways um and so 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 basically it's up to us as consumers as christians conservatives uh people that um that still believe in free speech to m- make sure that we have free speech because uh, all the other platforms there's no other digital platform that we know of uh, really, that uh, that is in this space with the audiobooks, ebooks, and podcasts that is Christian owned, Christian run, uh, that will not have things that go against biblical values because of our uh, our firm stance on uh, on the Word mm-hmm. and on the biblical values. And so, um, uh, there's there's companies like Public Square, uh, Freedom Square uh, that that are starting to uh, to really um, make it known and, and build this parallel economy, Gab is another one that uh, that we've been watching for a long time. Uh, that's been canceled from every possible thing that could be canceled from. From uh, and you saw it with Parler shortly after January uh, mm-hmm. twenty one, uh, which was which was like three weeks before our book was censored, uh, yeah. or a month somewhere yeah. in there. Um, but uh, but there's. Uh, there is not a great climate in the general space for Christians, for conservatives, for companies that hold to biblical values. Yeah, that's a sad thing, and and it's, I know, going to be something that without a doubt will make it into the agenda at this year's National Religious Broadcasters, because there are some policy issues that will be discussed there. So this is something that is big. It's affecting, obviously, not only ministry, but in your case, business as well. And and yet, uh, you're right, when you have a company that is the size of Amazon, uh, Amazon's a good word for them. They're, they're bigger than life, and they carry the, the weight and the influence, and sadly, the ability to make these decisions almost unilaterally. 
And that's what they seem to be doing right now. Uh, what's going on with you other, other than that kind of news? What excites you about 2024 with your company, with CrossCurrent? Well, it has been a very long road to get to where we are. Uh, that uh, and uh, uh, so we're excited to be. We haven't had an official launch. Technically, we're still in beta. However, uh, the site CrossCurrentDigital.com or GoCrossCurrent.com is easier to remember uh, is available. We have subscriptions. Um, and uh, uh, and podcasts, so we're excited about that. Actually, uh, your podcast is on CrossCurrent. No, uh, I did so not know exciting. that. Uh, well, um, as soon as I heard about this, I wanted to make sure it was there, and so uh, so it is, along with the, <laughs> the other uh, the podcasts that uh, uh, that are put out um, uh, by the by your organization. So. Uh, so we're excited about that and uh, looking forward to uh, having people uh, have access to that. The podcasts are free. They always will be. Uh, we've got a 1,000. We're adding more every day. Uh, and then we do have a subscription program, uh, which is similar to, uh, uh, unfortunately, it's what people know. So it's what I'll, so I'll say uh, similar to an Audible, mm-hmm. uh, except those credits uh, can be used for either audiobooks or ebooks. And so, uh, so more flexible in that uh, sense. And so we're going to a lot of conferences like uh, NRB. Uh, we'll be exhibiting at a number of homeschool conferences across the country. So we're really excited about that in the coming months and um, excited about uh, letting people know that Christians now have a company that they can feel good about purchasing Christian books from and um, knowing that that they're not going to be censored for one, and then also that um, that they can be supporting uh, companies and causes that hold to biblical values yeah. and not uh, and are not uh, completely against them and what they stand for. You know, I think one question comes to mind when you think about what you've gone through, and I'm wondering if it wasn't that one book title that might have flagged and made. Uh, this whole thing kind of become uh, you become a bit of a of a target by Amazon. Would it have been that one on the transgender issue that really opened the door? Because I know Amazon sells a lot of Christian uh, books and uh, other ministry material. It seems like they have just targeted what you guys are doing in a in an unreasonable way. Do you think that's what it was? Um, we don't know of any other possible explanation for it. And in their uh, in their statement that they eventually did release, they did talk about that being the issue. Mm. And so, yes, uh, that's um, that it was pretty obvious. It, uh, and and from the outside, it sure looks like it was a concerted effort between uh, the uh, party of the left and Amazon to make it disappear at the time that it did. Yeah. And we, we recently found out that there were probably a dozen other books on the same topic that were censored at the same time. They just didn't get any press. And obviously, you wouldn't have heard about this through uh, through the um, the uh, the establishment media. Um, no, it no. was only uh, it was only a, um, a story on uh, conservative and independent media. So there's still people that have never heard of that happening. Uh, and are shocked by it even today. Now uh, it's uh, three weeks. Will be uh, will be three years since. Wow, three years. Well, you've survived not only COVID but that, and that is saying a whole lot right there. So the fact that you guys have made it to this point, and where I'm just believing God for doors to open for you guys, that would be wonderful. I pray that now you'll be on the floor, right? The expo floor at the NRB. Um, walking around on the floor, yes. We do not have an exhibit this year at NRB. Uh, we will have exhibits at homeschool conferences. Uh, we're hoping to do things like Moms for Liberty uh, toward the end of the year. Uh, and there's, if if we went to the conferences that I think we should be at in order to let people know, 
um, we would be gone more than we're home for yeah. the entire year. So, and, and you do uh, this business to run. I mean, let's face it. You can't, right. you can't become a professional conference goer. I get that. Well, this is so cool. I'm excited about it. I mean, you've mentioned a lot of great projects that you've been a part of in the past. What's the one thing that you're working on right now that you really, really love? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, we're working with a, an author that we love, Robin Lee Hatcher. Um, she's got a, uh, a book coming out in uh, two weeks. What is today? Tuesday? Two weeks from today, I believe it is. Uh, so excited about that. Um, and uh, uh, so especially romance fans will love that. Um, and uh, um, to marry an English Lord, I believe it is I'm <laughs> putting me on the spot. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so that's with our with our two words publishing company. Obviously, it will be on CrossCurrent as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's a a, uh, a book that we're involved with right now that we're excited about. Um, we're excited about uh, you know there's there's always things that we have in the works, um, and uh, we're hoping. It would be great if we can find some uh, somebody that is uh, might be interested in uh, uh, possible investment with CrossCurrent. We've bootstrapped this entire thing, my wife and I, and uh, um, a little bit from family and friends. But uh, but it's uh, when God called us, we had no idea of the uh, the amount of time and. Uh, and money and effort that uh, that he was calling. If he would have mm-hmm. told us that at the beginning, <laughs> it would have been a much harder yes. But uh, but it was uh, you know a very clear call, uh, which again I didn't quite get into. But uh, um, and so uh, so we're seeing it through and and uh, trusting that the Lord will provide and excited that now people can find us. That's so right. Crosscurrent.com. And uh, we've got about 5,000 books there now. There should be thousands more within uh, within a few weeks. And uh, um, so that's great. Uh, yeah. So I re- really appreciate you being willing to have us on and uh, spread the word about it. This is very cool. I look forward to seeing you in Nashville in just a couple of weeks. And uh, thank you. Give us your website real quick before we have to run. Sure. GoCrossCurrent.com. So it is a web app, uh, so you're not going to find it on the app stores. One, because we expect to eventually be censored from the app stores, uh, and um, uh, but that allows anybody to get to it. So, so use your phone's browser, your computer browser, the tablet, uh, and head to GoCrossCurrent.com. That sounds great. Clayton, thanks for being with me today. Thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate your time. And we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Join host Mike Gilland for The Shepherd at Work. Every Saturday morning at 10.05 a.m., you will be introduced to a marketplace leader that will help you learn to walk out your faith wherever you live and work. The Shepherd at Work is sponsored by the Central Florida Christian Chamber, building kingdom, business, and community throughout our area. That's The Shepherd at Work, this Saturday morning at 10.05 a.m. Thanks again for being with us today on Afternoons with Mike. On the line with me, the co-founder of Every Black Life Matters, Neil Mammon. He's been here before. Great to have you back, Neil. Thank you. Thank you very much. What are you seeing now happening in 2024, especially as we look forward to this election cycle? Well, you know, it's always hard to predict what is going to happen. I do know that there's a groundswell movement against the current administration. I think that a lot of people are angry with them. Uh, I think we're going to see a, a huge shift. The, the question always at the back of everyone's mind is, is it going to be enough to overcome any of the cheating? Now, we don't know what the cheating is right now. There's, you know, is the cheating through the machines? Is it cheating through the ballot harvesting and putting in the illegal ballots? We don't know how that's going to go. But I do know that if we don't show up, uh, then it makes it easy for them to win. And if we show up in masses and we tell our friends and family to all show up and vote, then it becomes just harder for them to do any sort of shenanigans they're doing just because of the shared numbers. You know, there are still headlines coming out, Neil. I mean, even today I saw one about uh, people finding out more problems. I mean, this whole voting machine thing, that's up in the air right now. Who knows what, where that's going to end up. 
But you're right. When you t- when you think about the fact that some of the elections that have taken place where it would have gone a different direction had people who were registered, had they showed up, if they would have shown up and voted, it would have gone a different way. Absolutely. And, and I'm asking people to do one more thing. I'm asking them to show up and get a job with the registrar of voters. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean volunteer for election day. I'm like, if you're retired, sign up to work for the government as in that registrar's office. They're always looking for people. And if you're actually in the office getting a paycheck from them and you don't care about that paycheck, so you're happy to speak out on it, not only can you watch what's going on, but you can actually do something, uh, especially if you uh, end up having seniority. Um, if somebody starts doing something wrong, you can say, no, that we're not doing that. And in fact, you're out of here. Uh, you have that power. And so we're rec- recommending just go to your registrar voter and say, I want a job. Um, and you just apply. Sometimes they make it hard to apply because they want you to go through all these forms and all this different stuff. But if you do it, uh, and it's not like full-time work, it's work during the election, but you mm-hmm. work for them. And um, so that's what we're, we're recommending everybody do that. I think it's a, it's a good thing to do. If you have the free time, if you're retired or if you're single, um, you know, and guess what? If you do work for them, you may end up with a pension at the end of this if you work with them long enough. <laughs> wow. That's that's a, a motive right there. But, you know, when you again, you go back and you realize that this kind of participation is becoming more and more critical uh, with every passing year. Because if we don't have people who are really watching out for the good of our country, I one thing that is a fact, uh, two years ago, or, or four, I should say four years ago in 2020, the impact that we're having in the 2024 election with all of these now new crossing the border illegals that have come mm-hmm. in in the last three plus years, that is going, to, well, I should say whatever kind of impact that is going to bring is unknown right now. None of us can even predict what kind of changes that's going to bring because the blue states are welcoming them in with just about everything except, uh, I don't know if they're giving away free Chick-fil-A meals or not, but I mean, they're giving a lot of other stuff away yeah. to these people. Yeah, although the the good news in that is that we only care about the three swing states. You know, they can they can turn California as blue as they want because California is already blue. I mean, I shouldn't say we only care. We do care about local elections and local politics. But but on a on a presidential scale, whatever they do in their own community is just going to destroy that local community. Yeah, and and more people are going to flee that area and come to places where I live, like in Idaho, which we fled to because um, I've gotten blacklisted in California. Uh, but uh, so my major worry is those three, uh, you know, the, the three or four swing states, you know, Arizona, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, Pennsylvania, you know, places yeah, like that. Right, right. Um, so if we can get those, and those are the key, I think we should focus. In fact, if, if, if you have the wherewithal, move to that state for the election, registered. <laughs> <laughs> both there. Now, now that both is a serious level of commitment right there, my friend. <laughs> wow. You know, you, you'd be a patriot if you can do that. Yeah, Not yeah. all of us can do it. We obviously can. But there are people who could. I mean, seriously, they're like, hey, I'll go take a, you know, because you have to go, you have to have a, a rental agreement or something. You have to have a, you know, they have, you have to do it legally. Everybody do it legally. Go there, get a rental agreement. Uh, if you have a relative or a friend there, just rent a room for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a dollar a month and uh, register to vote, stay there for a month uh, or whatever the requirements for that state is, register, vote, uh, and do your patriotic duty to uh, to protect our union. You know, uh, But I think the reality is that uh, that you know, only few people can do that. So the, but the, the, the tragedy and the reality is that I'm, I'm betting that uh, go to Arizona, what we lost it by a few, you know, 5,000 votes here or there, I'm betting you could find 30,000 Christians who didn't vote in Mar- Maricopa County last year. Or I agree. Anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter where. Uh, if you can just vote, get out there and get your cousins and your friends and your relatives all vote the right way. Well, you hear, you know, another another statistic with that is that the Georgia special election was narrowly, narrowly decided by 
uh, only a small percentage points of, of voters that uh, turned away both of those uh, roles, those senatorial spots away from the Republicans into the hands of the Democrat. And when you do the numbers afterwards, 250,000 people that had voted in the November election just a few months before uh, did not vote in that special election. 250,000 people, more than enough, much, much more than enough that would have made the outcome uh, completely different in both of the senator races, senatorial races in Georgia. And so this is where my new, uh, our new project comes in. So this is now, so as most of your listeners remember who I am, I, I'm the executive vice president of Every Black Life Matters. Right, co-founder. Um, <laughs> yep, thank you. And I uh, also run an organization called the Values Advocacy Council where, well, last year I was, um, uh, I met or a, a gentleman named Roger Ellswick who runs a number of car dealerships in uh, Texas, a patriot, uh, a believer, said, look, God's asked me to um, to use my money for something of value in the republic. So he um, came to me and he said, look, the, one of the biggest problems we have is a lot of our churches are going woke, number one. Two, a lot of our churches are not teaching people about the culture, about CRT, DEI, all the dangers. And three, um, a huge number of churches are not politically active. So he had on his heart to create a website that would allow people to find a church that is biblically sound, culturally aware, and politically active. Hmm. So those three things are very key. And he said, look, if, if you think about it, um, if you're going to a church that's woke and you're tithing, even if you're not tithing, if you're just there, uh, you are supporting the evil that is going on there. So you mm-hmm. need to leave that church. And how do you leave that church? Because um, the last thing you want to do is go to a church and then sit for three weeks or uh, a year and then find, oh, wait, they really are woke because they haven't revealed it. Or you go to another church and, and they're not biblically sound. So it's hard to find a church that's biblically sound, culturally aware, and politically active. So so our website that we created is called mychurchfinder.org, mychurchfinder.org, not .com, but .org. Mm-hmm. And, and what we are doing there is we're rating churches. Now, not rating churches like a Yelp where you, you tell us what you think. It's, no, we're going to the pastors and we're telling the pastors, look, if you want to be listed on this website, then you need to fill out this 45-question survey. And it goes through and asks them, Biblical things, biblical require you know what what is what are your foundational beliefs and all that stuff, and it doesn't take them long because it's a yes no i I agree with this, I agree with that kind of thing um, it goes through them, and so it takes them maybe fifteen minutes to fill out this form, but at the end of it, they get a rating, and the worst rating you can get is would not recommend that means you're not biblically sound mm. right? it doesn't matter where you are anywhere else, but you're not biblically sound, you don't believe in the virgin birth, you don't believe in uh, you know, that Jesus is God, you know, you're not, you know, so it'll eliminate any of the, you know, the non-Christian right, uh, right. groups. Uh, so that's number one, but you have to be vocally sound. So uh, the second rating, uh, so that's the worst rating. The best rating is that you're biblically sound, culturally aware, and you are a politically active. Now explain right, that so, one for just a moment, if you will, because I think a lot of believers are uh, are still kind of f- uh, uncomfortable about the fact that if their pastor were talking politics too much. So what is the right level that you would see for pastors' involvement and the church's involvement in politics? Great question. So let me answer that with a with a anecdote. I was uh, I was um uh, speaking in a church about uh sorry, I was in the church and and the, the pastor uh, was talking about, I mean, he was a great pastor, and he talked about abortion, he talked about homosexuality was wrong, and he talked about, uh, you know, I mean, in different days, right? But when he got to the end of that, he would say, I know the culture is tending that way, and we just have to learn how to live in that culture. Mm. And it just made me so mad. I'm like, we just have to learn to. Learn. How about we 
you know homosexuality is bad. You're preaching against it. You know abortion is murder, and you're preaching about it. Why not tell your congregation, now that you know what God's will on these things is, why don't you go out and start taking effective measures to stop these evils? And that would be as simple for us. It's as simple as voting Mm -hmm. the right people in. I mean, in the old days, you had to go to war or you had to fight for independence. (laughs) You You had to go sacrifice yourself to stop the gladiatorial combat or to stop the child abandonment. You had to go out and collect babies. You know, there was a lot of things that the older church had to do. And, and uh, the church has always been, you know, we're the ones who stopped slavery. We fought a war to stop slavery. We're the ones who, um, you know, who stopped child abandonment. We would go out and collect all the children that had been thrown out. And then we finally went to the king and said, you got to stop this. You can't let people abandon their children in the wild. And, and they passed a lot. And then we're the ones who stopped child labor because they were sending these kids into these slave camps, you know, and there was protest and stuff like that. And, and now we can do all that by just voting. So it really irritated me. The pastor didn't say, just do something about it by voting. So what politically active we're saying is, look, we, you don't even need to tell them who to vote for. You just need to say, look, here are God's laws. Here are the current issues. And here are the people who uh, go against God's laws. I'm not telling you what to do about it. I'm just telling yeah, you that right. this is the way they stand. And yeah. You don't need to say vote Republican or vote Democrat. You can just say this person stands for abortion. That is yeah. murder. This person stands for same-sex marriage, which violates all of God's rules. And you can go down the line. And then people can decide who they want to vote for. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're telling them in a sense who to vote for, but— it, Gosh, I mean, it's not like a direct thing. Vote this way, vote that way. You're just dealing with the issues and the the realities that are out there. And that that would help a lot. Uh, Neil, I know that there's so many things to talk about. I'm looking forward to our being together in Nashville next month. Uh, It's almost uh, tomorrow is next month, by the way. So that's that's crazy. (laughs) So we're going to be together in Nashville at the NRB. And I'm looking forward to carrying uh, on this conversation and talking about things that you're involved in. Give us that website one more time where people can go to that. Yeah, so it's mychurchfinder.org. And if you're, when you go there, we, we just started last year, so there aren't that many churches on there. You can put in your uh, zip code and find a church near you. And if you go to a good church, there's a place where you can ask your pastor to fill out the form. All right. And so that way, their church could be submitted into this website as well. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. not .com, yeah. All right, very good. Neil Mumman, co-founder of Every Black Life Matters. There's so many things I wish we had time today to chat about, but we'll save that for our time in just a few weeks, my friend. Thanks for being with me. Thank you. All right, and we'll see you next time, friends, right here on Afternoons with Mike.